You're listening to In Conversation with IPR and Competition Law Podcast. I'm Aditya Trivedi, the founder and host of this podcast. And today we are meeting with Ms. Ravina Sethia, ma'am, who is an associate at Shardul Amarjan Mangaldas, Delhi. And today's topic is competition law in food sector in India. Welcome to the podcast, ma'am. Thank you so much for having me. And we Let have Rishika Jain with us, who is an, a consultant with the podcast. And I would request her to please introduce ma'am to us. Ravina Sethia presently works with a competition law practice at Shardul Amarchand Mangaldas, Delhi. She completed her LLM from the University of Cambridge in 2018 as a Justice Pratibha M. Singh and Trust Scholar. Prior to that, she graduated as a Silver Medalist from Jindal Global Law School in 2017. At present, apart from her work at SAM, she also handles content at her forum, a non-profit platform connecting women in law. She has co-founded the Abji Vijay Singha and Rani Aruna Kanwar Foundation, which aims to work towards women, child and animal welfare. She continues to contribute to various fora through opinion and academic pieces mentoring programs and by practicing in webinars and conferences welcome to the podcast ma'am thank you so much now let us begin the conversation so ma'am could you please explain us a brief background of competition law in india and how they may affect the food industry so competition laws in india are structured in a manner and with the objective of protecting competitive conditions in the market and ensuring consumer welfare as a result they you know tackle and they deal with activities of different kinds to make sure that no one entity or no group of entities or no competitors are able to negatively affect the market in an unnatural manner one of these ways for example is by um, you know penalizing uh, cartelization for example which is where you know entities at the same level of the supply chain may come together and you know artificially determine prices or supply conditions um, and you know other similar conditions um in the food industry for example this would be um, you know competing restaurants for example artificially deciding you know the rate at which they would take services of um you know a common uh, warehouse for example or a common storage unit for example um or any other sort of service along the supply chain it could be forks it could be uh, you know plastic uh, cr- cutlery or crockery etc then another way could be when there is one entity for example that has significant market power and that is deemed to be dominant in the market if that entity decides to act in a manner that abuses its dominance for example by limiting entry in the market or limiting supply conditions or uh, engaging in exclusive distribution agreements in such a manner that it causes an appreciable adverse effect on competition such an entity can also be penalized and checked by the competition commission so in the food industry for example if there is one entity which um, holds a certain ip um which you know other downstream entities need to license from it in order to necessary then uh, if such an entity were to conditions or um you know coercive in terms of licensing that particular ip then something like this could definitely be caught under the competition act 
separately the competition act also regulates mergers acquisitions and other combinations um including those in the food industry if they meet a certain threshold um this ensures that there is a check in terms of any transaction and acquisition which if entered into could cause an appreciable adverse effect in the in the market therefore competition laws are quite diverse and they use different tools and different uh, streams in order to regulate um the conduct of entities in the market thank you so much ma'am for your insights uh, the monsanto case as we know suggests that cci may potentially be able to balance the intellectual property rights of large multinationals in genetically modified seeds with the need of local farmers to grow a range of indigenous crop varieties this raises the possibility of the competition commission of india engaging in a similar balancing exercise in the case of genetically modified seeds in the food sector and thereby increasing the nutritional variety of food in the country as well what are your thoughts on this um see the monsanto case is very much still under process at the cci and before we go further i should give a heads up to anyone listening that i am directly involved in this matter and therefore you know any comment you hear from me should be seen in that light um having said that and after that disclaimer um the monsanto case is still very much at uh, the investigative and nascent stages it still hasn't reached any final outcome at the cci and therefore it is to be seen um as to what the cci will finally decide in the case from a competition law perspective having said that in terms of general um balancing of general ip laws and competition laws in the food sector in india the cci does have a huge role to play the bharti airtel case for example uh, at the supreme court made it clear that when it comes to sectoral regulations the cci will step in when any other sectoral regulator has already taken its call um for example if there is a case involving ip rights and there is any sort of contention once those ip rights have been settled by the relevant regulator then the cci can intervene and you know see whether um you know the licensing for example of such ip rights is a violation of the competition act or not therefore in a regulatory atmosphere involving more than one regulator and involving a balancing of various rights we have a system of checks in place which hopefully should ensure that we reach the right outcome of balancing in any manner as far as gm seeds go and the food industry goes i think the cci can have a large role to play in terms of balancing these rights and coming up with the best possible outcome for farmers and for the food sector in general however whenever it does take a call on such matters it is very important for the cci or any regulator to understand that they have to step in in a manner that promotes competition without overstepping on the business discretion that you know the law otherwise provides business players in any market be it food or be it any other sector therefore it is important to strike that balance in my opinion most of the times we see that businesses and players in the industry themselves are best suited to determine the manner in which they should license their ip or they should um, you know conduct their business in any manner and when any sectoral regulator has to step in and regulate it um it is important for them to take a step back and assess conditions from the perspective of the players in that market and then 
you know uh, uh, provide any sort of guidance or any sort of principle to you know govern their actions going forward so i think that is the role that the cci will have to play in this case whenever it is decided and any other similar case going forward food is is a tricky industry in india and everywhere else given that we always associated with um you know essential commodities however it's very important to to take a step back and understand whether a player in a given situation in the food industry is really dealing with something that's as essential and every case has to be tested on its own merits in monsanto can you really say that uh, you know if not for monsanto licensing its gm variety or its gm hybrid crop other players in the industry would not be able to compete in general uh, and that's the call that the cci will have to take in that case and similarly in every other case as well it needs to really step in the shoes of players involved and then take a call on whether or not um, you know their life but for their license would other players be able to compete or not in general and are they at a real loss uh, you know so to speak thank you for your response ma'am we appreciate the information that you have provided to us However I feel that after crossing all hurdles even if such genetically modified crops are allowed to be sold in future they might not be able to enjoy exclusive patent rights which will definitely lead to more competition and low pricing of such seeds So now ma'am could you please tell us that how can CCI help in increasing earning capacity of low income farmers that is regulating buyer buying power What is your comment on the recent case of TR Chandran versus National Egg Coordination Committee? Thank you. I think just before we get into this question on your last comment if um, you know a GM crop or any other um, entity involving IPR um, is regarded as essential you know and the test has been laid out that it is a, it is an essential commodity and without it you know nobody else can really function then the methods and the process of licensing of that commodity completely change but if not for that determination it is not fair for the cci or any other regulator to step in and label every such you know ip or every such license to be essential just for the fact that it is you know in the food industry and similarly medical or any other industry that you know we do consider of prime importance in our country yes. so that test really needs to be laid out and once that essential determination is made only then should conditions of licensing be determined now coming to your question on increasing the capacity of low income farmers and regulating buyer power keeping in mind the national egg coordination committee matter um my view would be that i think the cci has really stepped in in that case and you know intervened to see that um, irrespective of the arguments made by the committee that you know it involved almost 30 plus thousand players that they were still able to control the prices of eggs and if players were not following the prices of eggs controlled by them they would be at a disadvantage or they would virtually you know be able to lose their income and i think after going through you know tons of data statements um the structure of the egg coordination committee which was a three layer structure if i'm not wrong to ensure compliance with its prices by after going into all of these things is when the cci decided that yes you know they were not just setting a price which was a resale price for all practical purposes but they were also making 
just supports enforcement of it and anyone not following that would definitely be at a disadvantage it's only after making this determination did they come to the conclusion that the activity was in fact anti competitive and did it uh, you know mandate that they do not enforce any such prices in the future so i think the the intervention of the cci in that matter was well welcomed and needed and um, you know only after taking into account significant evidence and data i think similarly if there is any other case that comes before the cci involving the food industry and similar committees or organizations that play a role in determining prices the cci will have to make an in-depth determination keeping in mind market forces the nature of that particular industry players at different levels and most importantly the actual impact you know of setting a price or determining a condition that actually plays out in the industry on the ground level we see for example the beer cartel matter where the cci um anyway all of the players came out in leniency and the cci did pass its final order penalizing certain players for their actions um you know in my view in that matter as well the cci could have stepped further and understood the nitigrities of the beer industry and it could have taken a step further in understanding why players were coming together and you know what really brought them to discuss conditions of supply in the industry and i think had the cci made that correct determination in that matter um it would have found really no reason to impose a penalty on any player so i think uh it sort of missed a beat there in terms of its decision and i think it just went with the fact that people had come in out of leniency um where it could have taken a different approach but i think generally the cci can only help in increasing earning capacity of low income farmers even though it isn't its direct prerogative by just ensuring that you know the competitiveness in the market remains constant players have the freedom to determine their prices and their selling conditions and any association which is in play in any particular industry is there only for the purpose of discussing industry wide matters which are of general importance to all players and not to fix prices artificially or supply conditions artificially i think that is the most important thing however if there is a committee of players in the industry and they are coming together to discuss change in legislation or coming together to discuss for example perhaps having a protest to a certain legal rule change or regulation change then i think the cci must view something like that from a different lens and i think that's something that they have noted in the national egg coordination committee matter as well where they have said that you know having an association and having discussions is per se not illegal and not a problem but here it's because it led to the actual setting of a price by keeping only a few players interests in mind and enforcing of that price at the detriment of other players was it really a problem so i think the cci must have that balance in mind and you know looked at each case you know in terms of the facts and circumstances of that case to then best ensure how consumers and farmers in this particular sector um you know are least impacted in a negative manner thank you ma'am for your insights and particularly in tr chandran case which this podcast also covered in the cci in review we review the competition commission's cases monthly and we will be coming with the february cci in review also we see in tr tr chandran case that they discussed price fixing through whatsapp groups and weekly discussions and surely cci found that as anti competitive that was an interesting observation ma'am thank you uh, 
covid-19 the pandemic the ongoing pandemic has raised concerns throughout the world and in india of higher prices and reduced supply of even essential food items maybe because of disruption in global supply chains domestic supply chains disruption in manufacturing etc almost immediately this led to a worldwide call for relaxation of competition regulations how has the cci reacted in such times ma'am please comment So you are right the covid pandemic has definitely raised concerns throughout the world of um not just higher prices and reduced supply of food commodities but even rightly said in terms to a relaxation of competition regulation because regulators around the world realized that this is not an environment where people are coming together with the intention to distort competition conditions in a negative manner this is a circumstance where they are forced to come together in order to ensure that essential commodities continue to be supplied and consumers do not face any hiccups in terms of access to essential goods the cci like several other regulators around the world issued a uh, uh, an advisory to businesses i think it was in april of 2020 where they issued an advisory to businesses regarding enforcement of the act and how the same would be applied during the pandemic and it did make the point that you know um the competition act would not be enforced to the extent that it was regarding cooperation which was necessary in response to covid-19 however having said that the cci did also make the point that this does not mean that businesses around the world take this advisory as an opportunity to collude in an anti competitive manner and try to distort competition and that the cci would continue to look into cases which are brought before it and examine whether or not um, there was a genuine collaboration between competitors that was so mandated and required by the circumstances of covid or whether it was something that competitors were merely doing as a manner to misuse the advisory so i for example represented an oxygen company um which even though was told or you know directed by the cci um not to cooperate with another entity within its own umbrella had to do so for the reason that oxygen supply was very limited during the pandemic especially in the second wave and therefore you know it was forced to sort of collaborate with every entity around to ensure that there was a non-stop supply of oxygen in hospitals and in ambulances and everywhere else that was required and the cci took to that proposal and it did not object to it you know so i think the key aspect in terms of us as practitioners has been to be upfront with the cci and approach them if we or our clients have been faced with circumstances you know where they must come forward and they must um, you know engage in conduct which they feel may otherwise um, be looked at differently by the competition uh, commission but in such circumstances is the need of the hour so i think we have learned a lot as practitioners in terms of approaching the regulator and making the determination of whether certain collaborative acts uh you know should be allowed under the advisory or not thank you so much ma'am that was really insightful and i agree that if the practitioners would be upfront it would make a huge difference now ma'am could you please tell us that what is your take on the discounting practices followed by the food aggregators such as zomato uber eats and swiggy yeah um just again i'm just going to give a brief disclaimer that i do represent zomato and i am involved in cases um involving it before the cci so having said that my opinion must be <laughs> seen in that light 
Um, yes. So having said that, I think um, the discounting practices followed by any food aggregator are the same as those which are being followed by, uh, you know, restaurants themselves. There's nothing really different about it. The nature of a food aggregator is nothing but acting as a platform which brings restaurants together, um, you know, in a manner that is easy for consumers to choose from, where they can pick to order from a particular place over another place by having just ease of access to the menu and having facilitated delivery in certain circumstances of that food to them. Therefore, all that platforms such as Swiggy or Zomato or Uber Eats abroad um, do is that they most likely replicate the same discount policies that the restaurants offer on their own platforms or websites and in certain circumstances in order to allure consumers to signing up on their platform they provide a very small additional discount a very small additional coupon um, which is usually in today's day and age no more than maybe 50 or 60 rupees on a single order um, you know, to incentivize a consumer to sign up. But if you've used Swiggy or Zomato multiple times, you will realize that you get that 50-60 rupee discount perhaps once or twice or thrice. And it's only a discount to sort of attract you to join the platform. Apart from that, every other discount that you see for a restaurant is something that you will also see on the restaurant's own website should you choose to order from it separately. So I don't think these aggregators are doing anything which is, you know, significantly different. And in food, especially because of the costs involved and because of the ingredients involved, often players can't give very high discounts, you know, in light of the fact that they can't store these products for very long. They're all perishable. So they have to, you know, undertake certain significant costs and they have to ensure that food moves very, very fast. So they have to make sure that, you know, the sales are quick the discounts are something which are feasible and don't ensure great amounts of losses and that you know consumers are lured in at a faster pace it's not like a zomato or a flipkart uh, sorry like an amazon or a flipkart for example where you know because things are being manufactured in bulk uh, a higher discount is even possible you know in those circumstances certain platforms are able to negotiate a higher discount or sellers on those platforms are able to provide a higher discount because at one point of time they're manufacturing thousand units of something and therefore their costs are much much lower but in food it's just not the same situation because you prepare every meal on an individual order and there is only a certain amount of advanced preparation that you can do and that sort of ties your hands in terms of the incentives that you can offer anybody in terms of consuming that food so i think there is um you know a significant understanding required in terms of viewing how the food industry functions and how you know the delivery of prepared food functions to be able to understand the discounting practices followed by aggregators or restaurants in this industry and in my opinion i think today we sit in a place where they have learned from their previous discounting practices they have learned from previous things they've done you know to gain consumers etc and today they are all players with a great amount of maturity and an understanding and learning from their previous practices and i don't think today there should be any um you know sort of uh, negativity attached to the very small discounts they offer themselves thank you thank you so much ma'am for providing that uh, in- insight uh, looking from a macro point of view if we say in india uh, digital markets are still an alternative to traditional markets because not all of the people in India use uh, the digital services or say, the online platforms. 
Recently, we have seen that National Restaurant Association of India (NRAI) has approached the Commission with uh, evidence to back anti-competitive practices such as data masking and charging exorbitant commissions by these food aggregators, signaling further escalation of conflict between restaurants and food delivery platforms. What is your view on the anti-competitive practices by such food chain giants? which has increased manifold during the pandemic okay on your point initially about how we are at least in a market or in in a country where people means of you know transacting their businesses or ordering their food um i completely agree on that point and i think that's something that you know is a nuanced aspect of our, the way our industry functions you know unlike maybe um you know cases regarding food aggregators that have taken place in the UK or the EU or anywhere else in the world where majority of the population orders online india is a circumstance you know where uh, people often do prefer just you know calling up a restaurant nearby or you know walking to the nearest kirana store and getting what they want and in our culture eating out as it is is more limited than it is abroad so i think whenever any regulator in our country does look at you know restaurants in general and the food industry in general it's very important to keep that in light um now coming to your question on the nrai's complaint um you know i think that generally practices such as data masking um are important for aggregators to ensure that you know the consumers identities and their sensitive information is protected at the end of the day people like us we order from a zomato or a swiggy you know with the confidence that these platforms are not going to you know um sell our sensitive data to restaurants and platforms uh, other platforms in a manner that you know we are harassed with cold calls or promotional messages etc if we had to order directly from a restaurant we would you know directly contact them it's not very difficult but the reason why you chose a platform is because it gives you that convenience and at the same point of time they become the sort of uh, nodal point for you to interact with that restaurant without having to directly deal with them so therefore it is important for these aggregators to ensure that they protect your name they protect your identity your number your um, email address you know your card information and any other sensitive data with respect to you know your personal um, information and uh, i don't think there is anything negative in terms of masking such data and not providing it to restaurants i think that is a very legitimate practice that is expected of them in today's day and age they still in my to my best understanding and i don't know we would have to you know check with them directly but in my best understanding platforms usually do provide the restaurant with data on the type of orders that have been received and the volume of orders that have been received and the billing that has taken place on a daily or weekly basis and i think that much information is more than enough for a restaurant to plan their activities or plan the way they do their food preparation etc or even their promotions for that matter they don't necessarily require the names and numbers of consumers um you know to be able to plan their activities better their sort of grievance appears to be that they can't sort of target these consumers now through targeted ads and that's why they would like to have the sensitive consumer data however i think these platforms because of the you know the the position that they exercise it is important for them to play a balancing role where they give enough data to restaurants as is necessary for them to plan their business but yet restrain from giving 
significant data which protects the consumers on their platform because if for example they were to give my name and number to a restaurant i ordered from i would sort of lose faith in zomato or swiggy and i would decide to order you know um, on my own over the phone tomorrow because i don't want to be harassed by the restaurant so i think it's a very important balancing act that they are currently doing and i don't think there is anything anti competitive about it in any manner the second point is re- with respect to commissions i think the way these restaurants charge commissions is something very specific um to each platform and i don't think there is a common policy in terms of charging commissions but today given the fact that there are at least two big aggregators and the fact that the pandemic has ensured that most big restaurants at least have their own websites or methods of ordering i don't think these aggregators are today in a position to charge exorbitant uh, commissions in any more it could have been a thing in the past but i don't think in today's day and age you know they would be able to sustain such a practice for example if swiggy were to charge a very exorbitant commission from a restaurant simply for having it listed the restaurant could very easily decide to you know leave swiggy and you know sign up only with zomato or you know market its own products independently and attract consumers to its own website or whatsapp ordering platform or whatever it may be therefore i don't think in today's day and age it's a sustainable practice and i think if it is something that is genuinely the case then we will ourselves see a lower trend in terms of restaurants signing up to these platforms and we will in fact see data figures of more restaurants you know withdrawing from these platforms and until i think such data is clear we should give benefit of the doubt um to the platforms in terms of you know realizing that they are too big players in an industry where they also compete with restaurants stand alone and therefore they will have the business sense to uh, you know set their own uh, commissions in the manner best suitable to them thank you so much ma'am that was so insightful and that brings a discussion or say a conclusion that yes statistical and financial sharing or analysis of the consumer data is fine but uh, sensitive data sharing should not be there and i i also do think that that's not uh, happening and uh, on on the other hand consumers also want a customized personalized service so for that minimal data sharing or whatever is necessary can be done to provide better services like these online platforms digital platforms are providing for the uh, say sellers resellers manufacturers traders restaurant owners freedom of trade should be maintained and for consumers we should have right to choice and absolutely i think having said that it's important that you know we we take into account the fact that we the food industry is very big it's not comprising of two players which are swiggy and zomato it comprises of you know lakhs of restaurants around the country each of which have loyal consumers who come and dine in the restaurants and who order from them over the phone and separately each of which today list with one of the big platforms as well therefore they themselves exercise significant power and they have a standalone presence in the market irrespective of any aggregator and i think that's very important to understand while everybody from a commercial angle may want to grow and use data or use analytics in the best possible manner to you know increase their own growth and audience we uh, unfortunately when we deal with sensitive you know information and individual data it's very important that there is a balance otherwise any aggregator today could come under you know scrutiny and a scanner 
फॉर एग्जाम्पल नॉट फॉर फूड बट इफ यू लुक एट प्लेटफॉर्म सच इज यूट्यूब और यू नो प्लेटफॉर्म डिजिटल कॉन्टेंट ऑन दैम टूडे देर आर यू नो रूल्स इन यूरोप बिकॉज ऑफ विच दे नीड टू हैव कॉन्स्टेंट मॉनिटरिंग प्रोसेस ऑफ द डेटा इवन प्लेटफॉर्म सच एज ट्विटर फॉर एग्जाम्पल नीड टू कीप मॉनिटरिंग वॉट पीपल पोस्ट वॉट डेटा इज ऑन देर टेक कंप्लेन सीरियसली एंड एक्ट इन यू नो सर्टन मैनर टू इंश्योर दैट यू नो इंटरेस्ट आर बैलेंस ऑन एवरी एंगल and i think it is very mature of players in the food industry and food aggregators in india to already take those steps and ensure that they don't overshare data and information which could get them into trouble from a consumer's perspective and i think what they're doing is commendable rather than anti competitive in any manner yep. thank you ma'am for your response insights and a discussion on uh, food sector food industry in india the-